Hi, I'm Shivivani, welcoming you to Raise Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, an ongoing exploration about how to improve health and healthcare. We're going to do that today with Ari Bloom, the CEO and founder of Clover Learning, an edtech startup offering online video-based training, certification exam preparation, and continuing education resources for allied health students and professionals. Ari is an experienced founder and angel investor in the e-learning industry, whose background in healthcare includes working as a rad tech. So Ari, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Thanks a lot. Glad to be here. So we always like to ask our guests in their own words to tell us about what got them interested in healthcare and in your case, in rad tech. Yeah. So, you know, it's kind of one of those unlikely situations where I started, didn't really have much of a connection to healthcare growing up. My parents weren't doctors or in the healthcare space. I had some cousins who were, you know, physicians and things like that. So really I, for much of my younger life, I I really was into music and kind of wanting to do that for better, for worse. And so there's a long story there, but I lived out in California for a long time and played bands and ended up moving back to my hometown, which is Louisville, Kentucky. I was getting to a point where I was getting a little bit older and wanted to get married. And so I had a mentor at the time and the mentor suggested, you know, you should probably get a career that's not recording bands on nights and weekends. It's probably not going to work out good for long-term solution for a wife and children. And so at that time I was working at a hospital, just kind of doing some IT stuff. And I had a friend who was in x-ray school and it just seemed what he was doing was kind of cool. I didn't know much about it, but it seemed like, you know, healthcare. And then it looked like there was like computers and stuff, which I liked that. And so I just kind of was like, okay, I'll just do, do an x-ray tech, you know, be a radiographer. And so just one of those things where I just kind of was looking for something to do and kind of jumped in. And as I got into the radiography program and just realized I had a, just a very deep passion for not only helping people, but also for a medicine in, in general. And so that's, that started in 2009. And so the radiography programs are typically two-year programs and I graduated that, you know, the program and, you know, just ended up getting a job and, and, and doing all that good stuff. And that was kind of my, my foray into, you know, medical world. That's awesome. And yeah, very, very practical mentor. I'm curious, you know, I think you may be one of the first, if not the only you know, rad tech who's ever been on the Raised Line podcast. What was it like working? You know, how long did you work? And and can you, for, for our audience who may not be as familiar with the program and the, the work hours, what's involved, just can you give us an overview of that? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, imaging or radiography within the context of a hospital, I'm going to advocate for a second for kind of the career in general is that, you know, there's many times where radiographers probably don't get the the recognition that they deserve. But if you think about it from a, from a clinical point of view, diagnostics really touches everything, or I should say diagnostic imaging really touches everything within the hospital. If you're thinking about just general radiography, computed tomography, MRI, going up into the, the patient's rooms, doing mobile x-ray, the OR, everything. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of instances, at least I can only speak from my own personal experiences. I've worked at two major hospitals here in, in Louisville where, you know, you just don't kind of command the same respect that you would do if you were obviously a physician or if you were a nurse or, or something like that. Now, again, I haven't been in the hospitals for quite some time. I've been running this company, so things might might have changed. But that, but that was always me personally. One of the challenges that I've always kind of felt is what is that we're doing this job. You know, we're essentially the eyes for healthcare providers. But sometimes you just don't kind of get the, you know, the the respect that maybe that that, that people would 
you know, deserve being being credentialed health, health professionals. But again, there's, with that said, there's also many times where physicians and extenders and nurses are, are great, wonderful people. And, and, you know, I had some, some doctors that I worked with in the OR core that, that I, I really, really liked. And we would just kind of tell, you know, sometimes not the cleanest jokes to each other with like 20 people in the room. And so it was a w- wonderful career for the few years that I did it. I, I really loved it. I loved the, just the kind of the adrenaline rush, just being where the action is and, and, and moving around everywhere. You know, you'd start at 8, 8 a.m. in the morning doing fluoroscopy studies, and then you'd move into the ER. And then after lunch, you'd be up in the OR, and then you'd go back into the ER. So it's one of those things where you really got to move around a lot. And, and for my personal kind of way, I, I like to work, it, 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 it lended itself very well to me. Unfortunately, I tend to be extremely A-type personality. And so one of the, the learnings I, I discovered is that I, I probably was not the best employee to work in the hospital <laughs> because they say, you know, some people can have a boss, but some people need to be a boss. I think I'm, I'm in the other camp. And so I think probably a lot of times I was just very, maybe overzealous to, to put it nicely. So I, I get that. I mean, the entrepreneurial bent often comes with having problems with authority because when you see some systems that are super frustrating or inefficient, you you definitely want to fix those. And if you're kind of bottom of the totem pole, like a, a med student like me or, or you know, a, a rad tech sometimes, any, any extender in a very hierarchical environment, which is healthcare, can be very frustrating. So that's actually a good transition to the backstory of Clover. Tell us about you know, how you started it, when you started it, you know, you obviously have had personal experience becoming a rad tech. I'm sure that played a big role, but yeah, for our audience who may not be familiar with the company, just give us the the details. Yeah. Yeah. So the the quick kind of, so just our, our mission statement for Clover Learning is that we transform students into professionals and professionals into experts. And so we do that through online video-based training, exam prep sort of certification, exam prep question banks, and continuing education content uh, within a uh, a platform, uh, the Clover Learning platform. But really, how I got into this lends itself to me working within diagnostic imaging at hospitals and kind of that that was the the tension that I was feeling, and that I did it for a couple years. And then it just really just the the excitement started to wear off and it just became very mundane to me. And I and I wanted something more. The challenge was was kind of wearing off. And so I I I was wanting to pursue to be either a physician's assistant or what's called a radiology assistant. And so and really what that looked like, I had to go back to school, get my undergrad degree. I had to do a bunch of prerequisite stuff and 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 just start applying for uh, some of these PA programs. And at the time, that was around 2016, which I'm sure it is now, it was very competitive to get into these PA programs. And so I got on the wait list for a couple programs or, or whatnot. But in that time, my two-year biennium was up. And so I had to do my continuing education, which is obviously every healthcare professional has to do 24 hours of continuing education. And so I was going to school. I was working at hospitals. I have some young kids. I have a wife, just very, very busy. And I was looking for the easiest way to get these continuing educations done. And so I just did a little bit of an internet search. I found that there was a company where where you could just buy a book online. The book came with like a 50 question test. You do the test, you send it in, and then boom, you get your 24 hours of CE. And so obviously I wasn't going to read the book. And so I kind of went onto YouTube 
saying, Hey, you know, I just need to refresh my memory before, before I take this test. I was always a pretty, pretty good student, not like an A plus student, but you know, I, I kind of, you know, I did all right. So I was like, yeah, you know, let me just refresh my memory. Let me get on Google, whatever the thing may be. And one thing I noticed is that there wasn't a ton out there. Now you could find videos and content. Again, this is 2016. Things have probably changed quite a bit, but there really was not much out there as far as diagnostic imaging. And the stuff that was out there was more or less just someone recording like a lecture with like her cell phone or something like that. So me kind of always being entrepreneurial, I just identified and said, you know what, this, there's really nothing out there that's kind of serving the thing that I want, right? I want like short, engaging videos, just three to five minutes, just give me the facts. And so, which is actually funny because this is the first time I thought about it is that I was trying to watch YouTube videos because I didn't have the time to read a book, but now I'm thinking, but I did have the time to write, make all these videos. That's <laughs> just kind of funny. So I just, you know, on my, my days off or whatever, I just would sit in my basement and kind of create these videos the way that I really like to learn, like short, engaging, using analogies, qualifying sentences, right? So, you know, you say something, hey, but in other words, it's like this. And and just kind of doing that is like a little bit of a side hustle and a, and a minimally viable product. And there was a, a PA program that I was really wanting to get into. And I kind of told myself, when I was going through the process of interviewing and all that, Hey, if I don't get into this thing, I think I'm just going to do this side hustle thing full-time. Like why not? And I didn't end up getting to the program. And so I ended up doing the side hustle thing part full-time. And that was probably late 2016, early 2017. And, you know, here we are to this day where we have, you know, over, I think close to 400 academic licensed customers, like 3,500, business direct-to-consumer subscriptions. We've probably had probably 50 or 60,000 students go through and use our, use our content and our products to help them pass the registry exams, pass their classes, and even been able to cross-train into other advanced modalities, which right now is computed tomography. So, you know, it's just one of those weird things. Every entrepreneur will tell you, hey, if you came to me 10 years ago and said you'd be doing this, they'd all say there's no way, right? Well, that's incredible. That's a very relatable and, and awesome story. Two things I'll touch upon that you mentioned that uh, really resonated with me. One is that you had the time to basically build a company, but not the time to read textbooks. Certainly, that you know, we were getting that osmosis of like, how are you spending time? How are you balancing all this? Partly, it was because by by teaching, by writing questions, by writing video scripts, you were learning. Right. It was actually like a real, much more effective way of learning. But also, you know, there's that saying, "Time flies when you're having fun." which is hackneyed, but at the same time, it me, you know, it, it's real that like, if you're really enjoying one modality of learning and teaching like video, but you really don't write, like reading textbooks, like, you, you know, reading a textbook could be shorter, but it'll feel like much longer. So it's all relative. And then the second is it's, uh, it's great that that PA program did not accept you because obviously you've had quite an impact on, on the world and also on yourself and your family's life because of that. There's this song I always share with some of my advisees. I was a pre-medical advisor for some years back in business school called This by Darius Rucker, who's the guy who was the front man of Hootie and the Blowfish. Very unique voice. It's a great, great song. I'll put a plug in it for, for any of our audience listening because many of the people in our audience certainly can relate to maybe they had a plan A. And as Mike Tyson said, everyone, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. So they had this plan A, didn't work out. And they went to plan B, which wound up being way better or plan D or plan Z, whatever it may be. And so th this, maybe we'll drop a link in our, in the podcast notes to 
this by Darius Rucker is all about that, right? I'm really happy I didn't get this or didn't get that because it led to my life now, which is pretty good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, it's just it's just the analogy of life, right? And and, and really, it it wasn't so much that I wanted to be a PA per se, is that I just always had this desire that I wanted to have an impact and that I wanted to help people. And I just loved helping people. Uh, and I felt like that would be something that would make me happy and it would be something noble. And so, you know, it's just, you know, whatever you want to call it, put me in this, in this kind of, you know, position. And so I get to still do that thing, but instead of helping one person at a time within the context of healthcare, you know, I get to help tens of thousands of people that I'll never know. And, and to me, that's the thing that just makes me so passionate and why I can just do this job and, you know, and, and, and be very animated at times. Maybe some people will say, or what, you know, <laughs> you, you could put the word in, but, you know, I just, I wake up every morning and I'm just, just so excited to get into the office. I, you know, there's never been a day since I've started this company where I'm like, ah, I, would, I just want to do something else or I'm bored. It just, it just never happens. It's, it's, it's actually the opposite. That's awesome. So you've indicated a bit about how far you guys have come with a couple hundred academic licenses, tens of thousands of people trained, you know, that's where you've come from, where, where you are, where are you going? Like, how do you, you know, when you close your eyes and think about the next couple of years for Clover learning, you mentioned computer tomography is one example. We just had the CEO of Pranubo on the podcast, which is direct to consumer MRI, whole body MRI scanning. So I know you know, radiography is burgeoning, sonography has replaced the stethoscope. There's a lot of need for not just new people to be trained, you know, as techs, but also for an average NP or PA or MD to, you know, up, up their game in terms of, in terms of radiography. So yeah, where are you guys going? Yeah, no, that's, that's a great question. And if we were doing this call probably four months ago, I don't know if I could have given you that answer, but I've always had a big vision for this company and, and when I first started it, you know, it was really around helping support diagnostic imaging students and professionals. And so one of the kind of the, the decisions that we've, that we've made about, you know, even about a month ago, a month or two ago is, is we were kind of on this, you know, always say, always kind of equate like entrepreneurship is like, you're walking down this, this, this path. And there's like, you know, a lot of fog. And sometimes you can only see a couple of steps ahead of you. And then sometimes you, you know, you go and you have the, you know, you could go left or you can go right. And then there's fog. You don't, don't really know what you're doing. And so we kind of had one of those moments where we were saying, okay, well, look, there's one direction that we can go because obviously the majority of our customers, both from a direct-to-consumer and from the business-to-business -business point of view, these are diagnostic imaging people. So maybe it would make a lot of sense for us just to be very narrow within diagnostic imaging and go very deep, cover all the modalities and all the, you know, the adjacents or whatnot. And we still might kind of do that to an extent, but that's just, that's not, that's not big enough for, for I think what we can do. And so we really want to do what we're doing right now for the diagnostic imaging students, professionals. We want to do that generally for all allied health. And so that looks like the MAs, that looks like the, the like phlebotomy, EKG, gosh, you know, pharmacy tech, dental hygienists, because at the end of the day, it's all kind of the same right now. A lot of the video-based stuff that we do, we're do, it does lend itself to diagnostic imaging because it's a lot of kind of physics and, and, hey, how does the x-ray tube work and how does other 
stuff work where you, when you get into the non-imaging thing stuff, it's, it's a, kind of more about synthesizing a lot of information, but I feel that the students are all the same, right? Because they're just like me, like, you know, I don't want to read books and I don't think they want to, <laughs> you know, with the advent of cell phones and TikTok, and, you know, or, or, you know, everyone says it so much. It's like the refrain from this generation. Everyone's, you know, attention spans are very, very short. And, and, and I think that that's, that's true. And so we've kind of been able to build and hone this thing. And I think it could be very impactful and really help serve a, a lot of these, these other markets to, to kind of do the same thing that we're doing. So I know that's a long answer, but essentially that's kind of our plan. We have what we what we're call like a five, a tier strategic plan. And that strategic plan essentially is begin, you know, create stuff for diagnostic imaging, sell it to diagnostic, you know, create stuff for computer tomography, create stuff for non-imaging allied health, then create, we want to do prerequis prerequisite stuff. So early on, help people before they even get into a lot of these programs. And then we want to create a uh, non-medical. So really Clover Learning becoming the gold standard of online training and, and certification exam prep, both for medical and non-medical. Yeah, it's definitely a big vision. And obviously I think a lot of successful companies started out with one niche and then they kind of grew from there you know like amazon obviously started out just selling books and there's a whole you know great book about that story i think called one click about why you know how bezos was very strategic in deciding books over everything else and then sequentially added things and then obviously built these other products to support the core business like aws you know was was a huge cost line for them that they turned into a major revenue line and driver of Amazon's growth. So yeah, core business strategy. I'm curious, how did you choose the name Clover Learning? So we, the, the original product and the original name of the company was called Radtech Bootcamp. And that's what a lot of people still know us of. So if anyone gets on you know, social media and they put in Radtech Bootcamp and you want to see people talking about us, that's typically what we're known by, just because I didn't have the foresight <laughs> And so I tried to, and, and so when I was understanding, Hey, we wanted to get into other modalities and we wanted to do other things, then having a name Radtech bootcamp just didn't make sense anymore. Because if you're doing computer tomography or you're doing MA and you're called Radtech bootcamp, well, that just doesn't make sense. And so I was thinking, okay, well, I need to create a, a, a kind of like a brand that all these things would go under. And, and so I was, I, you know, I just. I can't remember the exact thing, but I know I was looking at like some dictionary app or something on, you know, online. And there is something that said like a clover leaf. And, and one of the definitions of a clover leaf in the context of like a highway interstate is that they allow you to change direction without coming to a complete stop. And I really like that. I really like that analogy. And so we were clover leaf learning. And so funny enough, one of my kids, were, was in class with another child and that child's father was a patent lawyer or a trademark lawyer or something. And we were just talking. I was like, I was like, Hey, you know, we, you know, I want to get the name trademarked. And basically he came back and he's like, Hey, there's actually a Cloverleaf university. And I, and, and I was like, well, does that matter? He's like, well, they could possibly sue you and take all your assets. And I was like, okay, what about Clover learning? He's like, Oh, you can do that. So there you go. That's the story. <laughs> That's an awesome story. I didn't realize. Yeah. I like, like that. You don't have to stop to change direction. You can keep going and keep that momentum up. If you see our logo and you look closely, they're actually Clover leaves. 
Yeah, I wasn't sure if it was, you know, good luck, like four leaf clover or something like that, serendipity. But uh, I, I think it applies to both. But I like that. That's it's always good to get in the mind of someone, uh, an entrepreneur and founder. Uh, I wanted to ask too, you know, we want to skate where the puck is going. One thing we've spoken about before that I'd love for you to be able to share on our podcast too with our audience is just how you think about AI, right? Generative AI is all the rage. It has been for a year now and even before then. And it applies in two ways. One is how do you think about it as you're building your own company? Like, are you using AI? Like, are there any any things you're you're experimenting with? And number two is we're all training healthcare professionals and, you know, curricula at schools tends to lag behind what the practice of healthcare actually is, right? There's no Mm -hmm. real courses on value-based medicine when you're a med student, but clearly that's becoming more and more popular as a percentage of of GDP for healthcare. You know, a lot of the people you're training are going to be initially in in radiography and a lot of discussion has been about how AI can help make radiographers more accurate, more efficient, you know, radiologists, you know, reduce diagnostic error, et cetera. So how do you think about it both as you build a company and then how do you think about it for the audience that you're training approaching the workforce? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's it's very easy to to connect the dots and know that AI is going to touch everything and it's going to change everything. It's already moving quite fast. But if we're, if you if you look out within the time horizon of maybe three to five to ten years, I think it's going to completely change change everything in terms of the large language models getting better. I think the large language models becoming proprietary. I think that's probably going to be the next big thing that happens because right now, if you're going to you know the ChatGDP and, and Bard and all that, that's that's essentially just indexing you know hundreds of millions, if not billions, of, of pages of internet, and so. If you're a student, whether you're a medical student or radiography or whatever, and you're using ChatGDP, there's still a very high likelihood that you're going to get hallucination. And so it's it's not anything that that you would that I would really recommend anyone using as a study tool per se, because it's just not there yet, right? But when large publishers or other companies begin introducing their own large language models, either through API technology or just you just go on their website. I think Khan Academy is kind of the first that's doing this. Yeah, I, I think it's going to change significantly. And when those when those things start getting put in natively into diagnostic imaging equipment or within packs and you know or even dictation like the the EMR systems, I think it's just going to be ubiquitous. And so you know, I, I'm definitely not smart enough to to tell you what it's going to look like, but but I can definitely say I think anybody would be very naive not to think that it's going to kind of be be everywhere just like how the internet was everywhere. You know, I was kind of at this weird intersection where when I first started working in the hospitals, you know, we ever, there was charts, right? You had to go, you know, go find the chart and, and all that stuff. And, and, and I was at that same hospital when they migrated to a full EMR system. And so I remember when charts went away. And so I think you're going to still have that same thing. People remember, oh yeah, like before AI. And then there was like the after, you know, now that, that AI became integrated and all those things. So. Yeah, no, it's an exciting time regardless. And, uh, you know, we're we're trying to think about how to prepare our students for the future, doing some content, doing these podcasts to talk about AI. So at least they're aware of the things that are happening. But ideally in the future, being able to actually incorporate, you know, some of that training into the into the courses we develop uh, and, and videos, both to speed of production. You can imagine personalizing a lot of videos, you know, based on people's primary languages, based on the accents they like in the videos, but then also personalizing based on the types of 
patients they're going to be seeing, right? So if someone trained in in the southwestern US, there's definitely a different type of there's certain, you know, infectious diseases that only appear there. Or in the Northeast, Lyme disease is far more common than in California. So anyways, very cool. I, I hope to jive with you on or, on some of these things because it's not a static conversation. This is something that's going to affect us, as you said, for the next for foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I only have two other questions for you. What advice do you want to give our audience and, and frankly, your audience too, about approaching their careers in healthcare or them who are interested in entrepreneurship as founders? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard question because those are two totally kind of different things. <laughs> I feel like I would say in terms of healthcare, uh, and I can only speak from my own experience, if you're doing it just because you're looking for a, a job that you probably have a low likelihood of losing because of a microeconomic, you know, things such as, you know, your company going out of business or something or a recession, I would say probably you want to think twice about getting into healthcare. I think healthcare is very specific and it's for a specific type of person. I think you have to be a person who first and foremost just likes people and, and like to help people because it's a very, very challenging job. Now, again, I was lucky that I was already out before COVID, so I can only imagine what it's like now post COVID and having such, you know, shortage with the nursing and other, you know, physicians and things like that. And so you know, that, that would really be my only advice. If, you know, if one of my kids came to me and said, Hey, you know, like I want to be a doctor, I want to be a, you know, x-ray tech, or I want to be a nurse or something. Uh, I would just say, you just have to like, that's great. It's a great profession, but you just have to understand that it's going to be a very, very hard job. And also hospitals never close. So if you want to work at a hospital, just know they never close. And so be prepared to work nights, weekends, holidays, you know, and things of that nature. So, yeah, that's great advice. And how about for the founders? Oh gosh, that's a, that's a whole different podcast in and of itself. I would say if you could do anything else, probably do the, do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart. You know, again, it's, it's the same, it's the same advice. I, I, I take entrepreneurship very different than a lot of people. I don't look at this as a way to make a lot of money or for myself, I'm, I'm really just driven by impact. And, and I think entrepreneurship, it's something that should, should not go into lightly because if you take the time and in many cases, people's money and you're convincing people to leave a job and come work for you. And you're convincing people to spend their money because you're going to give them a product or service. That's something that you have to really understand. There, there's a there's a stewardship with that. And then there's a weight. And then there's a sacrifice. So you should really be able to, you know, understand that it's if you end up creating a company and it becomes successful, that you, you're there's a lot of things you're going to be able to sacrifice. And Shiv, I'm sure you you've probably, you know. I can imagine with your journey with osmosis, you've had a lot of sleepless nights, you know, I, I would guess there's probably been some tears shed when nobody's looking, <laughs> you know, and it's like, but that, that's all part of the game. I've cried in front of my team and board members. So sometimes tears of joy, sometimes tears of, of sorrow. Yeah. But yeah. That is, that's good advice. I agree. Like a lot of, a lot of it is glorified and, you know, people often, it's like that iceberg analogy that people only see the tip, like when you you know, actually make it or sell the company or, you know, have, have a couple million users or something like that. But like all the stuff below the surface that, that got you there, you know, the failed contracts, the teammate issues, having to fire somebody for the first time, you know, yeah, it's a lot. So yeah, don't, don't take it lightly and don't, don't, don't over glamorize it. But it also, as you said, is a, is a great opportunity to be your own boss, to craft 
to basically change the world in a way you see fit, even if it's on a very small local scale, let alone a large scale. So yeah, I think that's yeah, great. Yeah. And, and again, you're, you're walking proof of that. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. And, and also, you know, with all that said, this is the easiest time than ever. It's not that entrepreneurship means that you have to have this big company with employees and all this stress. You know, this is anybody with an Apple computer and like a credit card or a little bit of money can, can build something and sustain themselves. When I was first starting this company, I had a, a good buddy who, who used to live in Louisville. He ended up moving. He has a, a really good kind of lifestyle business. And we would always meet and have coffee. And I told him like, oh man, you need to like do this and you should hire these people and you should do this. And, and one day he goes, Ari, why would I want to do any of that? That sounds horrible. <laughs> like the way I'm wired, I, I couldn't understand why he's not trying to scale this thing and do all this stuff. And he's like, dude, I just like hang out in my garage and do these things. And, you know, uh, my wife and maybe one other people, you know, do customer support. And I have this great life. I get to do what I want. And now looking back, I'm like, maybe he was the one who, maybe, you know, he was the one who was right after all this. So, so yeah, there, you know, there, there's a spectrum, there's levels to entrepreneurship as well. So. Yeah, no, I agree. And we had Justin Welch on this podcast a couple months ago. We just like talking a lot about solopreneurship and he had done the VC health tech executive route. And then now his commitment is to help people become solopreneurs, have their own tech side hustles and, you know, still be masters, not just of their vision, but masters of their time. Right. Because I think that's a big thing. If you're an employee for someone or even if you're a founder, you think that you'll have a lot of time. Nah, you don't have time. You have tons of stakeholders and, and you know, customers angry. You've, you've got to be the one to hop on because if you aren't, if you delegate some of those really important things, it's it just won't be that successful. So, yeah, we could jam, we could jam for hours on this and uh, I look forward to, to more conversations around it. But my last question for you for, for this particular podcast is, is there anything else you want our audience to know about you, about Clover Learning, about healthcare education or healthcare in general that you want to leave our audience with? And I, I wish I wish I had some 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 great nugget of truth or or you know something I could blow your audience away. Unfortunately, you know Friday at three fifteen, here it's, there's not much left in the tank. <laughs> I'll I'll say that you know as someone who's listened to your podcast and, and been following you know osmosis and. and I just think, you know, the work that you all are doing is is really helpful and inspiring for kind of like a, you know, a company like us. Obviously, we're doing something a little different, but yeah, I just think there's just so many resources out there and the internet is such an incredible place. And really, there there's my kind of thing is that there's there's no excuse, right? Like the, the, the days of saying like, oh, well, I didn't go to a good school or, oh yeah, well, of course you did it. Your dad or mom's rich or, or yeah, you went to, you know whatever the thing is th those excuses are really they're gone now i mean like they're you know every smart person in the world no matter if you want to create an ed tech startup or you want to do i don't know solar or whatever the smartest people in the world are spilling their guts on podcasts every week they're writing books they're writing blog posts they're on you know x which was twitter it's like all the information is out there, right? And so I think it's one of those things, regardless of what you want to do, really the, to me, it's just all has to do with curiosity. If you can, if you can become a curious person, I really don't think there's, there's any stopping you or, or anyone for the thing that they want to do.
That is awesome. That's great advice. And it reminds me, I think somebody was saying, if if knowledge was the limiting factor, everyone would have a six pack and be a billionaire. Uh, it's really not knowledge because the knowledge is out there. Uh, as you said, it's really about applying that knowledge, building the habits and the systems. Uh, and, and there's some luck. There's obviously a lot of luck when it comes to certain outcomes where you can control the inputs, but not the outcomes. So I think that's very valuable advice because a lot of our audience, I think, are interested in these alternative careers, turning their healthcare degrees into successful companies like like you've done. And so with that, Ari, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be on this podcast, but more importantly, for the work that you've been doing to, as we say, raise the line, strengthen our healthcare system, and train tens of thousands of healthcare workers and many more to come. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it. And with that, I'm Shiv Glani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen our healthcare system while this together. Take care. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.